Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. And good morning, I should say to you. We're doing another morning record, which I know you're thrilled about as someone who lives the stand-up lifestyle. I am still rubbing the eye boogers out of my face. <laughs> what a lovely visual for our listeners. And uh, and I'm having my morning coffee, and it's it's rough. It's it's ru- it's a rough time, J. Keith. Well, I, I appreciate you're doing it for such a good cause. Um, <laughs> I had an interesting experience. My uh, my upstairs neighbor, they had a baby about a year ago, and uh, they've been very conscientious and uh, probably needlessly so about uh, every once in a while I'll get a text saying, oh, sorry, the baby was crying if that woke you up and all that. And first of all, I'm, I'm no fan of babies, but I'm not a monster. I understand that babies cry and, you know, <laughs> that, that's fine. What are you going to do about it? But they recently got the baby, who, again, is about one year old, um, a toy piano. Um, no. And I can't tell if they place the toy piano on the floor right above me or inside my skull. Uh, <laughs> because it is that loud and has that much reverberation. So if during wow. our record today, you happen to hear a toy piano. Um, and by the way, I, I mean, I know there's such things as child prodigies, but a one-year-old being able to, to play anything at all yeah, pleasant on a toy yikes. piano does not seem terribly likely. I have a baby coming into my family on the way, and uh, I'm trying to catch up on my sleep as much as I can. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Once, once the baby arrives, hmm. Yeah, these late morning records are going to seem... <laughs> are going to seem like pure luxury when that happens. (laughs) All right. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen Hu, is up first. She is the host and producer of the true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks, and the Emmy-winning voice of Lisa Simpson, it's Yardley Smith. Hello, Yardley. Da da da. Hello. <laughs> and, and you provide your own fanfare as well. You know, I, I come fully equipped. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, we're we're very happy to have you, and very happy to have you back. You were an expert for our friend Jordan Morris on episode sixty, which has kind of become a legendary episode that we talk about. Not just because you were so great, but because it was one of our first, if not the first, when we were trying to figure out how to start recording these episodes remotely, and uh, we had not quite figured it out, and that led to about a five-hour recording session. <laughs> you were very, very patient. You were very patient. Oh, yes. I was also very late, though, because I totally forgot. So yes, it was, a, it, was a, it was a magical yeah. time for all of us. It very was, a lot of confusion. It was magic. Uh, when we talked to you last time, you had just started recording Simpsons episodes from home. Um, I'm wondering if you're still doing so and if those episodes have aired yet. They have started to air. So we're still doing our read-through from home, mm-hmm. and we do it over Zoom. So I'm not kidding when I tell you there's about 65 people on that Zoom call. <gasps> Now, for the last about five weeks, they gave us the option if we wanted to go into the studio and record our episode by ourselves, because usually we record all together like an old radio play. Right. And I said I, I would certainly do that. The benefit of it is, obviously, is that there's so much less cleanup for the engineers on the back end, mm-hmm. even though I had really good equipment here at home. 
there is no substitute for everybody in the cast recording from the exact same environment. Mm. Well, last time you were on, you were saying that you had like try it. You you had um, tried out all the different places in your house that would sound good for recording, and you came upon this guest room that has all the Simpsons cells hanging on the wall. And I think that you're there now, and I'm so like geeking out about it. I'm like, oh my god, she has real Simpsons cells behind her in the Zoom. Ah! I do, I do. I ha- it's a beautiful. A room that's covered floor to ceiling with Simpson cells. And the other room I record in and when I do my read-throughs, I have a little bar on my, like a little bistro, which is a separate building. And the walls are padded for Ooh. sound. The engineers really love that room also because not so much what we call reflection. Ooh. So it doesn't sound so hot or tinny or bright, you know. It but it also doesn't sound more. as cheerful, does it? Not as not as good <laughs> as being in a room surrounded by, you know, 50 Simpson cells. I love that you have a padded wall bar at your house. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's good for things really go down. Yeah, exactly. It's good for <laughs> drinking and screaming. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> and literally, it's 10 feet by 10 feet. It's we. <laughs> So you can go in by yourself. You're just going drinking by yeah, yourself in a padded alone, room. You know, <laughs> at uh, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. You do, so. We're in the middle of the 32nd season of The Simpsons as we record this. I'm wondering, has, has the voice of Lisa changed over the years? And, and if so, was that a conscious effort on your part? <laughs> now she's very distinctly, very distinctly sounds like this. This is Lisa Simpson. And I think when I first started... She sounded a little bit more like me. For me, mm. there's a very subtle difference, but it's not like Dan Castellaneta who does Homer. Mm-hmm. So there's a very, very distinct change that happened from right. the Tracy Ullman shows and even the early episodes that we were half hour mm. to now because Dan originally based Homer's voice on Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to, ha- to half-hour episodes, he couldn't actually sustain it, literally, physically, vocally. Mm. Oh. So he had to make this adjustment. But people sometimes think that a different actor was hired then to play Homer, but not so. Ah, interesting. Helen mentioned in your intro the podcast Small Town Dicks, which we also talked about on our, uh, our last appearance with you. Um, I was interested in reading that uh, you edit it on paper yourself before it goes into any Pro Tools or anything like that. Yes, that's true. We have two amazing editors, and now we have another producer who helps shape the episodes, actually Mm -hmm. now right after the record, because you're trying to take sometimes two and a half hours of recording, and it usually boils down to about an hour or Mm -hmm. 45 minutes or so. But then it comes to me, and I'm what I call the flea comb, so I (laughs) am... The super granular, very detailed editor, and I make those edits on paper. So I know the time code, and mm. I'll say cut YS, which is me, and then like <laughs> cut that bullshit out, and then you know <laughs> move so, along. Or yeah. um, a lot of technical notes like that. Yeah, highly technical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. We don't do a, a lot of opinion. I actually don't say very much. Because I co-host with identical twin detectives, Dan and Dave. Yes, right? we talked about that last time in the special yes. relationship, shall we say, yes, that you yes. have with with one of them. Yes, I'm going to marry one. Yes. You know. you, <laughs> you re- I love that you <laughs> removed one of the dicks from the small town. I did. I did. I took one of the dicks out. <laughs> well. how, is, how is your um, at-home dick? Uh, he's so good. The other thing I make him do, Detective Dan, is I make him do the ads with me. 
So as you know, if you have a podcast, often if you're lucky enough, you sell ads on your podcast to make mm. a little dough. And so I'm like, hey, Dan, let's sell some cat litter, shall we? <laughs> like, oh, could I? He's <laughs> a very good sport. Another project that you're doing uh, is a YouTube show on a topic that people might not expect. Tell us about that show. Well, I have what I call dumb entertainment for troubling times. I uh, started a YouTube uh, a cooking show in my own kitchen called Oil and Water. Um, and I actually started it. I used to do this little series on my Instagram called Simpson Sunday, where I would do some little Simpsons trivia or behind the scenes thing. And then one day I made porkified fish nuggets, which uh, <laughs> was a recipe that that Homer made for Bart. And then I had this idea that wouldn't it be funny to have a show where I pick an ingredient, a random ingredient from a bowl of sweet ingredients, a bowl of savory ingredients, and then a bowl of things. So the things are, it, it's a pie, it's an ice cream, it's a soup, mm. it's a casserole, bleh, whatever. So I have to combine the sweet and the savory and make it into the thing. And because You're like your own Iron Chef. I am. I that's am. adorable. And people need that right now. I think that's why, like, the British Baking Show is so big on Netflix. <gasps> Don't you love that? Yes! I love yes! it so much! But, it, it, but it's, it. like, perfect for these times because you can kind of zone out and it's very wholesome and cute and, you know, and these people are, like, trying to bake and you're like, oh, this is, it's just, it just takes you out of, like, the depression of what's going on in the world right yes. now. And even the competition is so polite. Yes. yes. They're so <laughs> nice very to British. each other. Very British. So British. Yes. Um, I love that show. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we love that you've joined us. Thank you so much again for being here. Yardley Smith. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Yardley be competing? He played 13 seasons in the National Football League, which included five selections to the Pro Bowl and a starting position in Super Bowl 50. It's Ryan Khalil. Hello, Ryan Khalil. Hello, hello. Ryan, you played 12 seasons with the Panthers, then you retired, and then you unretired to play with the Jets, mm. then you've unfortunately had a season-ending injury. What, what is your status now? Are you are you still a, an active football player in the NFL? I used to be 305 pounds, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you could tell. I'm a little more svelte, mm. so I don't think you look at so this good. weight. I'm, I don't think at this weight I'm going to be going back on the field anytime soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are, in fact, re-retired. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say. Okay, yeah. this one's going to stick. Yeah. You played center in the NFL, which um I need to explain to most of our listeners means you were the one who bent over and gave the ball to the quarterback. Um of all the positions that you could play in That's the By the way, yeah. that's the best description. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm not going to lie, I had to research to confirm that. I thought that's what it was, but I did not want to be wrong. I, I uh, this is the this is the type of listenership that you're dealing with, Ryan, because yes. I don't sports yes. and I'm glad that Jay Keith gave that description because I was like I, yes. don't that, well, I don't know what that I, means. It's funny, it's full circle because Growing up, I was definitely the listener of this kind of show, and I was not a huge sports fan. It's just sort of like a family trade thing that I fell into. I was into stop motion animation what? and comic books, and he's a brilliant uh, artist. Not not so much uh, not so much sports. You were so. a geek who became a jock. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. It's funny. I have a huge love for Star Wars, and you know our local team was the San Diego Chargers. Uh, and Junior Seahow was like one of my favorite players because he had this like really cool visor that he wore uh, <laughs> uh, over his uh, over his helmet. Yeah, he looked and like a superhero. Off, he looked like Boba Fett. And so I remember putting that visor on my helmet, like running around thinking I was Boba Fett. Oh my and, god! Uh, I think nerd culture 
has crossed over in many facets of society yeah. too, where it's not, at least it's not as, um, it's not as segregated of, of a kind of position to have mm. where it's like us and them. It, it's like cool to, and I think a lot of the movie stuff helped with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The kind of marvels of it all. But it's funny because you can always you can always find people that are just like, yeah, I think it's cool versus like the diehard fans mm. of, of all these like touchstones that we grew up on. That's wow. really cool. Um, you mentioned that football was sort of a family affair. Tell us a bit about your dad and your brother and how you both ended up in the NFL. Sure. My dad played. Uh, he grew up in Southern California, played multiple sports in high school. He ended up getting a scholarship uh, to University of Arkansas. He later transferred to Arizona and then he was drafted. Uh, and had a short stint in the NFL. But in those days, those guys didn't get paid the stupid money that they pay uh, us undeserving idiots now. <laughs> he was working with a shipping company uh, that had to do with like car dealerships. He was making more money doing that than breaking his neck every week. So he ended up hanging it up. A lot of guys did at that time, too. But he still loved the game. And then when he moved back to California, uh, we grew up in Corona, California, you know, all the things that my brother and I kind of fell in love with about the game had very little to do with the actual game itself. It was more the locker room, the camaraderie, mm. the people. Um, the Star the Wars country. nerds. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, it's amazing that you were able to have such a long career in the NFL. And I think even more amazing that you got to play both against your brother and with your brother on the same line. <laughs> Which of those did you prefer? Uh, neither. Really? To be honest. It was... <laughs> It was, uh, you know, playing against him was always nerve wracking. And it was like always an awkward thing for the parents, sure. right? My mom always had like the split jersey thing. <laughs> My dad was just a nervous wreck. He didn't care who won. He just wanted his sons to do well. That's really lovely. And then when we played together... I cared so much about my teammates and about, you know, the community and the the kind of like winning and the excitement and positive energy it brings to, you know, your city and your state mm -hmm. and the fans. So you start caring so much. And then my brother comes and, and as you get older and the leadership role kind of, kind of evolves, you're sort of like, uh, you know, the elderly statesman overseeing everything, mm -hmm. making sure everybody's okay. But when it's your brother, there's like a new level of panic and just <laughs> constantly worry, like almost like a parent, yeah. you know? Hey, don't hit him. That doesn't really work so much in the NFL. Well, here's where it gets more complicated. Yeah. So at the center position, which you uh, so eloquently put it, yes. I bend over and give the, the quarterback <laughs> the ball. But, but before I do that, though, there's a communication aspect to it that the center's in charge of. Mm. So a lot of times it's a it's kind of football is like a big physical game of chess. Mm. And I got to do the best to my ability to give the guys the right answers, to give them the best chance to succeed and and they'll sometimes line up in things they'll trick you make you think they're going to do one thing right. and do another so i have to use my best judgment and preparation to try to put us in the best place possible so i'm in charge of directing traffic with that power comes great responsibility <laughs> i've heard about that when your brother is only two positions down from you and you have the power to help him out and he's family, mm. but your preparation says you got to go help the other guy out. Oh. Sometimes, sometimes there's conflict emotionally oh. where you're like, "Well, I know the right thing to do, and percentage-wise, is I should mm -hmm. I should send the help this way." Right. But my little baby brother's right. over here. Oh. But on the other two, hand, on the other hand, I don't want my mom down. to yell at me. 
I don't want my mom to yell at me. I don't want my brother to get embarrassed. Oh my god! I had no idea. I had no idea until just now that football was like a, a like a the Godfather trilogy. Like there's like <laughs> there's layers on layers yeah. of like oh, you, I'm not gonna kill my mother's son or I will. Yeah, I know. Well, and then Helen, listen to this, Helen. So now I feel like. I gave my brother too much help, and maybe the other guys are kind of looking at me like I'm, I'm doing that. So now I go out of my way to not give him help, and now I end up like screwing him more than if I would wow. just do it as if he was not my brother. So I've had moments wow. of that where I I was really – it's the only time in my career I ever like sat down in my locker for a really long period of time, and I was just in such a conundrum. I didn't know how to go about it. Wow. Well, we're, we're glad that uh, despite all of that <laughs> – <laughs> intricate psychology that you landed on our show. Thanks so much for being here, Ryan Khalil. All right, Yardley and Ryan, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Yardley, you told us you know a lot about cooking, knitting, and Princess Diana. Whereas Ryan, you said you know a lot about the life and work of Walt Disney, the movie The Rocketeer, and as you mentioned earlier, the original Star Wars trilogy, keeping it all in the Disney family. Uh, <laughs> later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Tinder and Bumble. Up first is Yardley. Yardley, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Allison Humphreys of Seattle, Washington. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Allison. All right, Yardley, in the topic of Tinder and Bumble, Tinder. They both might start something hot and heavy, but what is the difference between Tinder and kindling? Tinder and kindling. Well, Tinder... Mm -hmm. is um, the little itty-bitty, like, micro twigs and leaves that you okay. would use to start your fire, and then you put kindling on. That's sort of like the salad course in your meal, and then the <laughs> logs would be your main. Okay. And then, you know, the ashes are sort of, we're done, the coals are burning down, there's yes. dessert. There you go. There's your dessert or the ashes. I would have guessed s'mores would have been dessert, but oh, <laughs> maybe better. that's just me. Better. All right. We've got Yardley's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Ryan, what do you think? I think that's really good. Yeah, I would just say Tinder, it's just it's it's just highly combustible, mm -hmm. whereas like the, the kindling is is used to sustain it. All right. Well, this segment is starting to flame out. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Tinder is small pieces you ignite usually with a match or lighter, to get a fire started. Dry leaves, paper, and pine needles all make good tinder. Tinder burns very fast but does not last long, just like relationships on tinder. <laughs> Kindling is thin pieces of wood that act as an intermediate fuel. It's what you put on top of your tinder. Good kindling sustains flame and heat longer than tinder, which allows your firewood to catch and burn. Uh, that's right. And if you have kindling but no tinder, you can always make tinder by whittling down your kindling into wood shavings. And if you have tinder but no kindling, hopefully you also have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Helen, how did they do in that? Um, I think Yardley got that right. I think, I think she did as well, yeah. I think yes. she got both parts right because you did say uh, Tinder is the itty-bitty micro twigs to start the fire, and then you called kindling the salad course, which is correct. Yes. 
in, in, indeed. And, and, and Helen, it's up to you if you'd like to give her a bonus for the lovely metaphor, but uh, that would be unprecedented. So I think there's definitely extra credit for the log main course. Yes, line. the log main <laughs> course. But I'm going to have to take points off for the ashes being for dessert because I don't, sure. I don't like that anymore. Well, All right. Uh, excellent. Two points for Yardley. Let's now go Man. to Ryan. How do I follow that up? Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Because you, Yardley. up next in Tinder and Bumble is Ryan with Bumble. Ryan, they both might result in a bad date, but what is the difference between bumbling and fumbling? Bumble and fumble. Well, I know fumbling all too well. Bumbling's not an app either, is it? No, there is an app called Bumble. Sure is. Yes. Got it. And I'm, I'm sure your wife is I'm sure your wife is very pleased that you do not know that. <laughs> I guess the difference would be is like one's more one's more of like a, a mistake mm-hmm. and the other one's like more like clumsiness. Which one? Clumsiness would be fumbling for sure. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I mean I mean fumbling because I've made plenty of I've made plenty of mistakes in in fumbling. Mm-hmm. I've never intended to fumble a ball, but I have. Okay. <laughs> Um, and bumbling, I guess, is more involuntary. Where involuntary, you know, yeah. Okay, it's, it's more of like it's kind of just you're more aloof and clumsy, and I guess I don't know. Got it. All right. Well, we've got Ryan's answer. Uh, we don't know yet if he's exactly That's correct. Terrible answer. I did not say that. Uh, Yardley, <laughs> what do you think? I think bumble bumbling is a character trait, and fumbling is a physical like. You tripped and fell and dropped it. I think bumbling is more intellectual and fumbling is physical. Okay. Well, this segment is starting to drop the ball. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Fumble, with an F, means to clumsily lose control of an object or situation and thereby fail to achieve your objectives. Bumble with a B means to clumsily get through a situation, but generally succeed in achieving your objectives, often with a lot of luck, just Hmm. like relationships on Bumble. Uh, That's right. Now, a football player might fumble the ball and then pick it up and get knocked backward into the end zone, bumbling his way to a touchdown. (laughs) Ryan, I'm I'm trying to speak your language. I I don't know if anything (laughs) I I just said made sense. I love it. Yes. All right, Helen, how did our guest do in that? Uh, So, Ryan, I think I'm going to give you half a point. Okay. Uh, for the long and elaborate bumbling your way through that answer. Um, <laughs> for demonstrating. I got half a point for the fumbling? Yeah, yeah yes. sure, yeah. Well, that's less than the six points I gave up one time when I fumbled the ball. The other time picked yes. it up and scored. I'm sorry so. we brought back a bad memory. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Yardley Smith has two points and Ryan Khalil has half a point. Mm. That's right. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, cereal was just one of the best parts of being a kid. It's true. I mean, I think like I think it's a very common experience, like waking up Saturday morning cartoons and whatnot. Yeah, my uh, my dad was one of those like no sugary cereals kind of a guy. But fortunately, Mrs. Fine, who lived three doors down, was not. So uh, I enjoyed going over there for <laughs> breakfast and getting all of my sweet cereals. But, you know, of course, it's so full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't eat too much of. And I now do the uh, low carb kind of a lifestyle. 
while. So uh, cereal is one of the things I really miss an awful lot. Well, my goodness, we have a new sponsor, and I am so excited for it. It is called Magic Spoon, and they make cereals that are reminiscent of your favorite kid cereals with all the different colors and flavors. Tell us a little bit about the nutritional stuff from uh, Magic Spoon, Helen. Magic Spoon actually has zero sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs, and only 140 calories in each serving. Yeah, and when they told me that, I thought, wait a minute, do you mean zero added sugar? They said, no, zero sugar at all. And so it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, it's low-carb, which I love, and of course, GMO-free. And uh, they got all sorts of flavors. They sent us a variety pack. What did you get in that uh, pack? Yeah, I got, it was really fun. They had um, like, you know, a fruity O type cereals and like a cocoa flavored one. And a lot of stuff that, a lot of cereals that you would recognize from your childhood. There is a keto friendly version from Magic Spoon. Yeah, and I have to say, they sent us this box. I've never been more excited to open a box. And uh, the only reason that the box has lasted the entire weekend is that uh, I went out of town on Sunday because <laughs> uh, I tore through it. If you're doing low carb, uh, you can put almond milk in it. It tastes just like the cereals you had when you were a kid. It's also great just straight out of the box. I, I really love it, and I cannot wait to have more. And if you want to try it, we've got a coupon code. Helen. Woo-hoo! Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save $5 off your order. $5 off. Also, Magic Spoon is so confident that you're going to like their product that it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So for any reason you don't like it, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact. Magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact. Thank Thank you, you, Magic Magic Spoon. Spoon. But really, thank you. I really liked it, and I want some more. I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. Ten years ago, I came on Jordan Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice. He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions. Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den? They smell like living creatures decaying. (laughs) Only if they are decaying. Yeah, which they will be. Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast, every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Yardley Smith with two points and Ryan Khalil with half a point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. All right, Yardley Smith, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about cooking, knitting, and Princess Diana. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why did you choose cooking as a topic? I love to cook. I'm a pretty good cook. If I have enough time to make the food, I find it quite meditative. Neat. And uh, what kind of cooking do you specialize in? I sort of experiment on my friends. So they always say, you <laughs> you know, you shouldn't cook new stuff for a dinner party. You should do yeah. something you know well. I'm like, yeah, forget that. Yeah. <laughs> do you follow? Are you a recipe follower or are you a, like go with your gut? 
kind of uh, person? Both. I feel like with baking, you really ought to follow a recipe because it's science. Mm. And with uh, savory dishes, more often you can sort of bumble your way through. Oh, <laughs> very nice. Good ending. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> not, not, look at people are integrating their knowledge already. We love it. <laughs> All right, next, Yardley, you said you know a lot about knitting. Yes. Yeah, so knitting, um, I think as I mentioned before, I learned to knit when my second husband, I needed to figure out a way to sort of absorb the football with him, but I wanted to do something for myself also. So I learned to knit and then I could sit with him as long as I wanted and accomplish something that I enjoyed as well. Um, and I also find it quite meditative. And I've heard that it can help stave off Alzheimer's. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I've yeah, heard that too. Do your... all of your friends have a scarf made by you? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, a sl- I'm a, actually a very good knitter. I'm quite proficient, but I'm not fast. Mm. So the answer is no. All right. <laughs> what, what objects do you specialize in, if any, when you're knitting? Um, I've knit sweaters. Um, what? I've, yeah. Scarves. That's, that's complex. Hats. It is complex. I But I really like, I like complicated stitches. So mm-hmm. complicated stitch patterns as opposed to, um, yeah, that's what I like. So I like wow. things that are sort of lacy and stuff like that. And for our listeners, if you want to know the difference between complex and complicated, listen to one of our previous episodes. We cover that in a What's the Difference round. Uh, All right. And then finally, Yardley, tell us why you chose Princess Diana as one of your topics. Well, she and I, um, she was born in 1960 and I was born in 64. So we were sort of the same age when she came on uh, the scene in the 80s, in 1981, and she captured the world, but I was, I don't, you know, why do you sort of lock into a, a person who is famous or a celebrity? You, you mm. hope to see something good in them that you perhaps might find some find in yourself if you're lucky enough. Wow. All right, well, to summarize, you told us, Yardley, that you know a lot about cooking, knitting, and Princess Diana. Today, we're going to quiz you about Princess Diana. Gee, really? <laughs> we really are. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit more about why Princess Diana appeals to you and, and how that shows up in your life. Like, have you visited the sites? Are you a collector of uh, information or artifacts? I used to collect, you know, every magazine she was in. And mm-hmm. uh, when she died, I have all the books. And I actually even have the catalog of she sold her dresses. You mm-hmm. know, she first they were on display at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And then she auctioned them off to raise money for AIDS and uh, cancer, I believe. And um, I there's a, there was a catalog made, mm. and I have one of those. She had this great position of power, really, and she really honestly used it only for good. She mm-hmm. really tried to make a difference. Well, that's mm. lovely. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Ryan, do listen closely because you can steal if Yardley gets any of these wrong. Ryan, by the way, how much do you know about Princess Diana? <laughs> very little. So this should be, this should be Yardley should be very safe. <laughs> All right, yeah. maybe we're seeing why Yardley recommended you for this uh, for this program. <laughs> All right, Yardley, here's question number one. Diana was a princess, but what country in the United Kingdom was she princess of? Uh, she was uh, Her Royal Highness Diana, uh, Princess of Wales. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, Diana's sons, William and Harry, were born as princes of Wales and are now known as the Duke of Cambridge and the Duke of Sussex. All right, here's question number two. On July 29, 1981, Diana married Prince Charles. At what London church did they wed? St. Paul's. Helen? That is correct. 
That is correct. St. Paul's Cathedral for the point. Uh, fun fact, Diana was the first royal bride to remove the word obey from her wedding vows. Very progressive <laughs> for 1981. And uh, very, she, and very like, prescient, right? Yes. 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 So. It turns out, it turns out <laughs> being obedient to. She's like, well, obey well, this, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what she said, I'm sure, Helen. Did you know that she also mixed up Charles's names? I did know that. Yes, I think she mixed his, one of his middle names or something got reversed yeah, she, as well. Uh, she called him Philip Charles Arthur George instead of Charles Philip Arthur George. Oh, that's funny. So she essentially married yeah. her father-in-law. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's question number three. Had Diana lived, she would celebrate a milestone birthday in 2021. How old would she be? Uh, she was born in uh, 1960. Oh, I'm so bad at math. So that, uh, oh, is that, so she would be, uh, help me. Uh, it's a milestone. A milestone. milestone birthday in milestone. 2021. I'm going to say 60, but she was, uh, I don't know. Can I have a hint? Uh, you can have a hint if you'd like your hint. Helen, how about that first hint? It's the smallest number divisible by one, two, three, four, five, and six. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, six. She would have been 60 years old. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. We couldn't We couldn't tell you that before when you were mentioning uh, the year she was born, but you were off by one. She was I actually was. born in 1961. 61. She would have been 60, which, of course, we all know is the smallest number divisible by the digits between one and six. Uh, <laughs> excellent use of the hint there. You are three for three. Here is question number four. You mentioned that catalog of dresses that you have that might come in handy for this question. At a 1985 White House dinner, Princess Diana wore a dress designed by Victor Edelstein, but the dress became known by the name of someone else, a movie star she danced with at this event. Who was that movie star? John Travolta. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Didn't need the hint on that one. Killing it. Uh, very, very nice. Fun fact, it's reported that she wore that dress publicly seven more times. It was purchased in 2019 for $347,000. Wow. You were not the purchaser of that, were you, Yardley? No, no, that was not me. Okay, not this time. Not we this weren't time. the same size. <laughs> I'm 5'3". She was like 5'9". Yeah. I don't know if that's going to get worn again by whoever purchased it. No, I think oh, it ended God. up back in the collection of, uh, of the people who preserve such things for the royals. Um, all right, your 4 for 4 have a chance to go 5 for 5, and you do still have a hint available. Here is question number five. Diana tragically died on August 31st, 1997. A week later, her funeral was held, which was watched on television by an estimated two and a half billion people. While most people remember Elton John's musical tribute, there was a soprano who soloed with the BBC singers, most notably on a section from Verdi's Requiem. Who is this singer? I wonder if it was um, Kiri Te Kanawa. You can wonder, but you also have a hint available if you'd like to get that second hint. Yes, I'll take the second hint. Okay, wow, how surprising. Uh, <laughs> Helen, how about that second hint? Her first name is the same as Vanessa Redgrave's sister, and her last name is a famous creek from a TV show title. Let's see. Um, oh, Liam Neeson was married to Natasha... Um, I want to say Natasha Dawson. Helen, is it Natasha Dawson? It is not Natasha Dawson. No, I'm terribly sorry. Ryan, with a chance to steal. <laughs> um, uh, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something, Helen. 
It is not John Travolta. No, I'm terribly sorry. I think you chose the wrong red grave. It was Lynn Dawson. Lynn ah. Dawson was that famous soprano. Helen, would you like to give Yardley half a point, though, for getting Dawson? Sure. Yeah. All right. Half a Thanks. point there for Yardley. <laughs> All right. Yardley, that was tough, but you ended up doing quite well in your quiz. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. I'm nervous for you, Yardley. (laughs) (laughs) As you mentioned, Yardley, one of Diana's great legacies was her humanitarian work. At one point, she was linked to more than 100 charities. But the day after her divorce, she announced that she would remain a patron of only six. So, for up to three points, name any three of these charities or their causes. Um, AIDS. Okay. Landmines. All right. Um, she, I hope that she stuck with the uh, ballet. So you want to go with that then? AIDS, landmines, and uh, the Royal Ballet. And the Royal Ballet. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Joining us today from London is an author, public speaker, and royal commentator who's written 18 books about the royal family and is the editor-in-chief of Majesty Magazine. It's Ingrid Seward. Ingrid Seward! This is huge! (laughs) This is huge! Yes! Oh, my God, I've read so much of your stuff. I used to subscribe to Majesty Magazine. You are it. You are it. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. wow. I did not know that at all. You did not know that you were it? <laughs> no. Wow, what oh, an exciting day this for all of us. Just like this is an, an enormous day and, an, and a tremendous honor. Oh, my God. <gasps> wow. She's a fa- Yardley's a huge fan, Ingrid. I know it's it's amazing because it's not like you just you don't know who your followers are really. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thrilled that Yardley is such a fan. It's very flattering for me. Wow. Well, you've been covering the Royals for a long time, and in fact, you were at many of these events that we've discussed. You were actually at the event where uh, that Travolta dress premiered. Maybe not at the dance. You were not dancing with Travolta <laughs> yourself. Sadly, not but, uh, no. No, no, but t- tell us about being there and about what that moment meant for uh, Diana. Well, we were the whole pr- press party of us and we were uh, at the White House and we watched um, all these stars come in, Clint Eastwood, John Travolta. Those are the ones I really remember because it's a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was really exciting. It was one of the first royal tours I'd ever done and it was the first time Charles and Diana came to America and we didn't know about this dance because we were outside mm-hmm. waiting for them all to come out. But I mean, when John Travolta came out, he was just so lovely. I remember he was young and gorgeous then, absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. And he was so sweet to all of us hacks, you know. And all the American actors were really nice to us. And we were kind of used to people being rude to us. Um, and he and uh, I think Clint Eastwood said, uh, we said, oh, how was it? And he said, well... It made my day. So we loved that. <laughs> the man knew how to deliver. He certainly yeah. did, yeah. Well, wow. one of the reasons I think Yardley knows you and a lot of Americans uh, who are listening would know you is that pretty much any event that involved the royal family that has had television coverage, you have been on air on, on different American networks. Um, that including, of course, covering the funeral on television, which you hosted with Dan Rather. Uh, was there anything about being there in person that maybe was not able to be conveyed on camera for your experience? Well, I remember 
walking there because obviously the whole of London was closed down and it wasn't too far from where I lived. I remember walking there and it was the most beautiful morning and it was very weird because you could hear everything because there were no flights going over. Mm. There were no, there was no traffic. There were no buses. Wow. Uh, and that's, to see a huge capital city completely quiet. Wow was really, really extraordinary. I suppose it was, a, it's, you know, the, the lockdown has been a, a, a tiny similarity to that at the very mm. beginning. Now, you actually knew Diana personally a little bit. How did that happen? This was actually, sadly, though I didn't know it, obviously, just a few weeks before she died, and her private secretary rang me up and said, oh, Her Royal Highness would like to have a little chat with you, Ingrid. <gasps> and I thought, oh, my God, what have I done now? And it was, I'd written something in the newspaper that day that she didn't like. Oh. Um, so, of course, I went and had a chat with her, you know, and, and I did know her. But um, she said, oh, I'm we're just having a girly chat. And she has this really little girl voice, mm-hmm. um, which is the thing that, that really strikes you about her, is A, that she's so, she was so tall um, and she, her, her skin was completely flawless. Mm. It looked like she looked as if she'd been dipped in honey. <laughs> do you know what I mean, Yardley? Yeah, I do. I Not do. a pore or a blemish on her. It was completely fascinating. I love her. I just love that she's about 10 different people all mm. at once. And mm. she could have been one person to me that day and another person to me on another day. Yeah. Which I think is probably part of the endless fascination. The reason yes. we're still talking about her and still you know, uh, watching movies about her. Uh, right. And it, it, she, she's so many different people. Yeah. And, and not in a, not in a uh, inauthentic way necessarily. It was just her way of being savvy, it sounds like. She was very, very open and, and very funny. She is very, very funny. We had a lot of jokes. I think at the time she's just was, uh, we talked about Muhammad Fayed and she said, oh, I said, oh, I've just been to the Ritz and it was amazing. And she said, I bet he bugged you, Ingrid. <laughs> she's like, you know that that do you remember that fashion for soap on a rope? Yeah, you yeah. Had in the, she said, I bet there was a bug in the soap on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> of your many books, you've written uh, multiple ones about Diana. Your latest book, though, is about uh, Prince Philip. It's called Prince Philip Revealed: A Man of His Century. Uh, why did you want to write a book about Prince Philip? And tell us a little bit about what his relationship with Diana was like. I wanted to write about Prince Philip uh, because I think he's uh, fascinating. And we always hear about it. Well, in, in the UK, we always hear about everything from the Queen's point of view mm. and the other members of the Royal Family. But you never know what Philip is thinking or doing or what he's done because people don't seem to be very interested. I mean, they are now, but for years they weren't. And he's always two steps behind the Queen. Mm-hmm. And mm. if you look at all the pictures, you'll see that he is. And he doesn't interfere and, and he's a very very bright man quite scary too ingrid what do you think about the crown series because it's quite juicy i think uh it's you have to remember it's not a documentary right it's fictionalized uh, and i think this latest series of the crown which we haven't seen yet well i've seen a bit of it is very very good mm the girl that plays the young Diana is brilliant. Mm. Absolutely right. brilliant. She nails it. <gasps> she really nails of, it. Speaking of fictionalized versions of the royal family, you actually were uh, helpful in the making of the movie The Queen, starring Helen Mirren. Tell us about what you did with that. 
Well, I don't think I was very appreciated, actually, because Peter Morgan never asked me to help him with the crown, and he wrote The Queen as well. Uh. So I, I helped him with the Scottish scenes. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I, I arranged for some of the researchers to meet some, pe- some of the ex-staff, and I told them what it was like at Balmoral, and I told them some little little stories, which one of which they have used, I noticed, <laughs> Peter Morgan, in the latest edition of call, The Crown. Call him and demand your cut, Ingrid. Yes, well, you could call him for me. That definitely is an American talking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, well, Ingrid, it's so wonderful to have you here. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Yardley. We wanted to know three of the six charities or causes that Diana continued to be a patron of uh, after her divorce. Helen, what was the first of those that Yardley said? Yardley said AIDS. And uh, Ingrid? So she was patron of the National AIDS Trust. Yes, so that is correct. That is a point for Yardley. Very good. Excellent. All right, Helen, what was the next answer that Yardley gave us? Yardley said landmines. And Ingrid? Well, it, it was it it wasn't one of the charities she continued to work on. It was a completely separate agenda, and it actually was Diana's raison d'être at the end of her life, mm-hmm. the thing she was most proud of. But it wasn't one of those six charities that she kept when she abandoned, or let's not say the word abandoned, when she gave up the others. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. So uh, even though, of course, it's very easy to associate her with uh, that cause, it was not one of those six. So I'm sorry we can't give you the point on that. Uh, and oh, that's then, a bit how- mean. Can't we give her half a point? <laughs> Uh, that's up to you. Yes. Oh, wow. All right. Thanks, half a point. Ingrid. The rare half point for a wrong answer. Uh, but it's not really wrong, is it? Yes. Yes. It's not not, not really wrong. All right. We'll see if that affects the wrong. final score. It is wrong in the intricacies of it. But, you, you know, when you think of Diana, you do think of landmines. You do. You do. Okay. Well, it's up to you. are the expert. You're going to give her half a point. I'm sure Yardley will be happy to take it. Take uh, it. Very good. And then, Helen, what was the final answer that Yardley gave? Yardley said ballet. And uh, Miss Seward? Uh, she was the patron of the English National Ballet, and Diana loved ballet her whole life. She wanted to be a ballet dancer, but she grew too tall, which I'm sure Yardley knows. I do know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that is a point for Yardley. And you go through the other ones, uh, Ingrid, that were correct? Well, there's the Centrepoint charity, which was for the homeless, which Prince William and Prince Harry, actually, they still support that today. William is the patron of Centrepoint now. The English National Ballet, which you said. The Leprosy miss- Mission. Remember that D- Diana shook the hands yes. of lepers? Yeah. Of course you do. And it was involved with Mother Teresa, yes. yep. who was a great, they, they were great fans of each other. Uh, the National AIDS Trust. Mm-hmm. The Great Ormond Street Hospital for Sick Children, which is a very famous hospital that we have here in London, and it's just a children's hospital. And then the Royal Marsden Hospital in London, which specialises in cancer research and treatment. There you go. Uh, Before we let you go, Yardley, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have her here? Just what a phenomenal, brilliant, wonderful opportunity it is to meet you over Zoom, Ingrid. I really have been a fan for so long and I just this is this is huge and what's funny is when so I had to give my three topics about what you know I might like to talk about and I thought well they're going to ask me about the royal family hopefully Princess Diana because that was really sort of my real area of expertise if I had one and I said wouldn't it be amazing if they could get Ingrid Seward because (gasps) I'm not even kidding because I thought who else would they get 
And I thought, but they wouldn't get somebody all the way over in London, would they? I mean, that seems pretty extravagant. And here you are. <laughs> here you are. Although I'm really thrilled. And I'll send you a copy of my book if Keith emails me it. your address. Yes, and then we'll, I can we'll sign it to you. We'll, we'll be happy to, have, to arrange for that. Yay! Well, thank you so much for being here. Ingrid, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Well, they can go to my website, which is www.ingridseward.com. Quite Ingrid simple. Seward. Dot com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank I you. Hope we, I hope we didn't bore you, Ryan. With our Diana talk. No, not at all. I learned so much today. <laughs> so did I. I know a lot more about football than I did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Ingrid, did you know that the center is the, the guy who bends down and gives the football to the quarterback? No, I didn't. There you go. We We're all learned learning. something. We all learned something. <laughs> all right. Thank, thank you. you so much, Ingrid. We're going to say goodbye. Thank and uh, Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you later. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Yardley Smith has nine points and Ryan Khalil has half a point with a round of questions for Ryan coming up. <laughs> That's right. Don't worry. We're going to talk with Ryan about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Ryan and Yardley will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, it's Jesse. What you're about to hear is real. Hey, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Jesse calling for Maximum Fun. Hey, Jesse. I heard that you got into a car accident. Yeah, I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself, and I just laughed so hard that I uh, slammed into a construction barrier. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Do you remember what it was that was so funny? I will never forget, I'm sure. They started talking about Vegas and the, you know, if it happens here, it stays here, and that slogan. And then Graham was talking about, oh, you know, wasn't there some other slogan for another commercial? I was like a commercial for food and it said like whatever's in there stays in there i can't remember what it was clams or something (laughs) (laughs) clams just so ridiculous and man i got lightheaded i was laughing so hard next thing i know (laughs) smash they are they are just brilliantly funny so i talked to dave and graham from stop podcasting yourself we would like to pay your car repair bill is that okay that, I mean, that would be super nice, Jesse. I really uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Yardley Smith with nine points and Ryan Khalil with half a point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Ryan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the life and work of Walt Disney, the movie The Rocketeer, and the original Star Wars trilogy. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you chose the life and work of Walt Disney for one of your topics. They kind of all do go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh... You were like the first (laughs) subscriber to Disney+. Plus. (laughs) You were like, sign me up. I think for me, I, you know, Walt's life is so incredible. I mean, he's surrounded a ton of odds. He, he went through ups and downs and, and he created an incredible legacy that had a big influence on me as a kid. And even many years later now into my adult life and having children of my own, seeing them watch and love the same things mm-hmm. to your point now on Disney plus, even the things that Disney owns now all had some kind of influence. So they all kind of came back to Walt. Great. Next, you said, you know, a lot about the movie, the Rocketeer. Yeah, why well, that you know that was one of my first Disney movies. Uh, the Indiana Jones movies were some of my favorites, and and obviously being a young Disney fanboy, the Rocketeer was sort of Disney's answer to Indiana Jones. Oh, and huh. it didn't end up quite being that. Right. Um, it didn't fare well at the box office. I think it went against Terminator Two, which is <laughs> it's already a tough. That's a tough thing to go against yes. right out the gate. 
but it, it grew a huge cult classic. And, and for me as a kid, was absolutely fanatic of it. And now getting into production and film and television, early on in our company's uh, sort of history, uh, in our very short-lived history, I should say, we, we've been around a couple years, we went to Disney and pitched them an idea we had for a sequel. And uh, so we're making the sequel to The Rocketeer. Oh, what's so wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. So I hope, so I, hope I know a little bit about it. Yeah, I would, I, would ho- I would hope so. That must be such a thrill that a movie that you, it, it you love so much as a kid is something that you can help uh, bring bring to a whole new audience now. It's also nerve-wracking. It's a lot like yeah. uh, playing with my younger brother. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> and, and, uh... It's a lot of responsibility. It is. It is. And then finally, Ryan, you said you know a lot about the original Star Wars trilogy. That was sort of, I think, like most people, my first love and forte into film and, and production. And Lucas did such an incredible job of showing you the behind the scenes and that journey they went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my younger years, it was VHS, and I wore that original trilogy VHS box out until it didn't <laughs> work anymore. I don't know, to your listeners, I don't know if I would claim to be an expert. I do love the original trilogy, so I'll do my best uh, for all you diehard Star Wars fans not to let you down if that ends up being the topic. <laughs> all right. Well, to summarize, you said you know a lot about the life and work of Walt Disney, the movie The Rocketeer, and the original Star Wars trilogy. Today, we're going to quiz you about the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Helen is raising the roof with her gestures. I was rooting for that one for sure. Yes. Well, it's an interesting uh, that you brought that up about uh, representing other fans because, you know, we we do the show for a general audience of listeners, not necessarily for people at a Star Wars convention. So, um, you know, gauging the level of difficulty for our quiz was a bit challenging for us, but uh, we think we got a we think you got a good mix for you. Do you have a favorite of the original trilogy or a favorite scene from those movies? Um, oh gosh, no, I love them all. Yeah. I love them all. And uh, were you a collector? That's not, that's, uh, you're lying. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's go back to to Helen. It's Empire Strikes Back. Okay, there you go. I knew you were a lot. You can't love them all equally. You have to have a favorite. Anyone who says they love them all is lying. Okay. So Empire Strikes Back. Okay. That seems to be, that seems to be very popular. You're wrong, but okay. You're, oh no. (laughs) Um, I'm kidding. That's all right. No, and are you a collector of uh, memorabilia from the Star Wars trilogy? Unfortunately, yeah. Oh yeah, what kind of stuff do you collect? (laughs) I'm probably one of Sideshow Collectibles Best Collectors. to the uh, dismay of my wife. But, uh, do you have like a room full of stuff? I do. I'm in a rental right now. Otherwise, I'd show you. So a lot of that stuff is uh, is in storage right now. You have what's, like a shrine. I do. Yeah. Wow. What's the mo- what's the, what's your most prized possession? I gosh, I don't know. Um, I have some original uh, props that I've uh, collected. <gasps> oh, very what? cool. Yeah. Um, so I have a piece of the Death Star that's pretty cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, to what? be fair, it did blow up into billions of pieces. I mean, the odds of <laughs> someone getting one. No, that's really, really cool. Wow. Um, well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in this subject oh, with our man. expert level so question. Nervous. We're up to three points. But before that, let's let you just show your love with these five trivia questions, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Yardley, do listen closely because if Ryan answers incorrectly, you can steal. Yardley, by the way, how much do you know about the original Star Wars trilogy? Nothing. And I wish our listeners could see your face as I was asking you that. <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing. Really? <laughs> Other than that they were. They were. Okay, well, that might be one of the questions, so we'll see if we get to that. Ryan, here is the quiz for you, question number one. It's referred to as a bucket of bolts, a piece of junk, and a hunk of junk. And at one point, Princess Leia offers to get out and push it, but it still got the job done in the Star Wars movies. What is the name of this vehicle? Oh, that's Han's old baby, the Millennium Falcon. Helen? 
That is correct. That is correct oh, for a point. Gosh. Yes, All right, I got one right. You are on the board for sure. Uh, fun fact, the origins of the name Millennium Falcon are actually a bit of a mystery. One theory is that George Lucas got the Falcon part from the Maltese Falcon because the character of Han Solo was modeled after Humphrey Bogart's Sam Spade, and Millennium is just a cool word. Uh, all right, here's question number two. Ryan, when it came to the Academy Awards, the original Star Wars trilogy received 17 nominations, seven competitive wins, and three special Oscars. But only one person received the nomination for acting in the films. Who was this actor who later would receive a Lifetime Achievement Oscar? Man, I don't know. But if I, I'm, this is just going to be an educated guess. I'm going to say Alec Guinness. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> that was a very educated guess. Fun fact, he received a 1957 Oscar for Bridge on the River Kwai. Great movie. Yes, and eight years after his Lifetime Achievement Oscar, which you usually give toward the end of someone's career, he was nominated again for the movie Little Dorrit. All right, very good, Ryan. Here's question number three. In Star Wars, when Luke Skywalker's uncle tells him to clean up the new droids before dinner, Luke doesn't want to because it will spoil his plans. Where does he say he was planning to go and what was he planning to do? Oh my goodness. Okay, now I gotta make sure. I will give you this bonus hint. He said so very whinily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we got Luke, now I gotta go back. Okay. He's there with Uncle Owen. He's there with Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen's giving him hell. Oh my gosh. Can we can we do more questions about the the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> uh, well, you do have hints available if you'd like to use one of your hints on this. All right, yeah, let's let's go with a hint. Helen, let's how about it. that first hint, please? If you are going to convert power, you need to get some of these things from this place. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna it's gonna kill me, but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get the answer. Okay, I'm sorry, from... no answer there. That means Yardley, congratulations, you have a chance to steal. Um, he was going to go to Endor and get some solar panels. Helen? That is not correct. No, not correct. <laughs> uh, I would tell you the answer, but I know Helen would prefer to deliver it. Helen, what was the answer we were looking for? But I was going to go into Tashi Station to pick up some Tosh power Station. converters. Power converters is what you use to convert powers. I couldn't, Tosh Station, I couldn't Tashi think of it. Station to pick up some power converters. Power converters at Tashi Station. I'm sorry, no point there, Ryan, but let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. <laughs> Shake it off, let it go. Here we go with question number four. Star Wars is known for adding several unique names to popular culture, but which of these Star Wars creatures never has their name spoken on screen in one of the first three Star Wars films? Is it Banthas, Ewoks, Jawas, Rancor or Tauntauns? It's not Tauntauns. Okay. It's not Tauntauns. Panthas, Ewoks, Jawas, or Rancor? It's not Jawas. Okay. I'm going to go with Ewoks. Helen? That is correct. That is correct oh, for the point. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, really? That's right. Uh, by the way, George Lucas originally wanted the Ewoks to be Wookiees, but he eventually shrunk down their bodies and also shrunk their name and mixed up the letters, so Wookiees became Ewoks, never actually mentioned in the films. All right. Ryan, here's question number five. This is this could be tricky, but you do have a hint available. Ralph McQuarrie designed many of the costumes for the trilogy's most recognizable characters, but for The Empire Strikes Back, another person was responsible for the design of Boba Fett's distinctive armor and equipment, which we know appealed to you. Who was responsible for that? Mr. Joe Johnson, who also, by the way, directed The Rocketeer. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That's exactly wow. why we chose him, because it happened to be part of your other topics. Incredible. Wow. Very nice comeback. Congratulations, <laughs> Ryan Khalil. Woohoo! 
That was a toughie. That, that was, was a toughie, tough but you knew it right away. Yeah. Very good. All right, Ryan, you ended up doing quite well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Ryan, Star Wars, of course, has many memorable lines, but for up to three points, what character has the first spoken line in Star Wars? What does that character describe his job as when he emerges from an oil bath and who has played this character for over 40 years? Uh, it's it's C-3PO Okay, is the answer to that, uh, played by uh, Mr. Anthony Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the other question? The other part is, uh, what does that character describe his job as as he emerges from an oil bath? He describes his job in a very specific way. He's a protocol droid. A protocol? Uh, C-3PO's, human cyborg relations. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a protocol droid. He's fluent in over six million forms of communication. Uh, I'd love for you to go on, but we, we do have to try to wrap the show up in less than an hour and a half. Uh, all right, Ryan has given those answers. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Joining us today from London is an author and actor who wrote the book, I Am C-3PO, and who has played C-3PO for over 40 years. It's Anthony Daniels! Oh, oh my-, my gosh, get out of here. <laughs> we will not get out of here. Anthony Daniels, are you? Get out of here. <laughs> oh, my God! There he oh is! God, Ryan, oh. you don't, Ryan, you don't know how nervous I was listening to you <laughs> about to get those questions wrong because I was going to have to just mute your mic, mute your video and just leave. But you got it, you got it right. Thank you for, for kind of, for knowing, knowing all about it. Oh my God, I am freaking out. I, it's really you. I am geeking out I, over here. This is amazing. I'm sorry that I'm, as, as you can tell, uh, all the listeners can see that I'm not actually wearing the gold suit tonight because it's my night. Yeah, our listeners don't need to know that as far as they're concerned. Oh, my God, he showed up in the gold suit. What a trooper. Uh, okay. I, uh, but wait a minute. I'll make, I'll make mechanical noises. Um, oh, it's not kind of uh, working enough. Yes, for our listeners, um, uh, Anthony's holding up a little model of uh, C-3PO and moving it around. Oh. Lovely. Just in case Ryan doesn't believe who I am. Yes, oh, yes. I believe you. Your voice, you're, you're lar- like Yardley. Your voice has not changed over the many years. It's, it's, it's. Hello, <laughs> I am C-3PO, human cyborg relations. <laughs> and this is my counterpart, uh, Ryan. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. But, wow. But yes, Yardley, you you you've stayed the same for you know since yes. uh, you're a young, you still are a young lady, um, and because of the way I produce three pairs voice, and I have to tell you, it's the middle of the night right now, so right. normally I wouldn't be working at this time, <laughs> but because the voice comes from sort of higher up in my chest and and in in my face, so that I can raise it up. And when I was redoing the um, wonderful ride at, at Disney, the uh, Star Tours, yes. uh, they asked me to slot in some extra words in the pre-show that we'd, we'd actually recorded um, 22 years before. <gasps> and they were amazed that actually, without any kind of fiddling, <gasps> they matched. And it's because as an actor, as you know, Yardley, you kind of store these 
it's a little weird, and people shouldn't try it at home. <laughs> but you and I, we're, prof we're, we're professional. We have licenses to do this, don't yes. we? Robert? So that uh, you do what you do, and I will do what I do. And aren't we lucky? So lucky. And, and especially now, I was saying um, earlier during this, during the pandemic, of course, animation is the one part of show business that's been able to continue unabated. So... Um, I'm deeply grateful to still be employed. It's just everything. Plus, I love my character. She's just the best girl. That I will go along with. People say, how can you stick with 3PO for 47 years? I think, I love him. I think he's great. I think he's terrific. And uh, I'm very proud to kind of know him pretty well. I feel the same. But Yardley, it is, it is great to, to see such a, a phenomenal actor like yourself in, in, on my screen here looking <laughs> Gorgeous. You know, one of the problems with Zoom, frankly, <laughs> as opposed to a telephone call, yes, we have to get dressed and we have to look nice. Right. It's less of a challenge for you. <laughs> because remember, no, remember that I have spent all these years hidden, hidden behind a mask. <laughs> 3PO forever young, yep. Harrison Ford getting older, <laughs> sure. Mark Hamill getting yeah. older, dear Carrie Fisher getting older. Not 3PO. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. He stayed just as young as ever. Uh, however, on the inside, it's not like that at all. Speaking of inside, I want to uh, ask you a little bit about your book. Your book is called IMC3PO. It's now available in paperback, and uh, it's been published in many languages. Um, I have to ask you, because I, I, I happened to notice this the other day when we were speaking with you. Uh, what is it called in Spanish? I don't have like, the, the Espanol, so I think it's called Soy... It's always C3PO, yes, I am C3PO. And then it says, La historia desde dentro. Yes. Which I think sounds like... Oh, it really it does. does. Yes. In French, of course, it is called Les Memoirs ne se fassent pas. Ah. Um, uh -huh. So to suddenly have this book come out, first of all in hardback in English, and, and people kind of liked it. And so uh, then the French and Spanish and I think Korean is coming, and <gasps> Japanese has already happened. And now in paperback, I feel kind of, I don't know, official really. You've arrived. And Yeah, and <laughs> I've arrived because I'm in paperback and I'm in something, I don't know about you, but I've always felt that a hardback book is a bit special, a bit a bit like your front room that you don't really use. <laughs> and it's a bit cold. It's the good china. It's the good china. <laughs> and a paperback, you can sort of flick the pages a bit, and maybe turn one down, and, and I don't know, you just, just use it and crease the, um, what do you call it, the spine, the spine yes. a bit. Yeah, and actually, because uh, I've done it on mine, it's really well made. It <laughs> takes creases. I'm, I'm, I've got yeah. So you don't just like, you don't just like the, the words that you wrote. You actually like the actual physical <laughs> vessel that oh, it is. Oh, I do. And, and in the English, I spent a lot of time doing the layout myself. Yeah. And here's the thing. Uh, listening to Ryan, he said he's got a piece of the, uh, the, the desktop. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Um, what have you got? I'll show you mine if you'll show me. Oh my! <laughs> well, now I'm embarrassed. I so all my all my memorabilia is in storage. We're we're doing some work on our home, which uh, the pandemic's led us to uh, have some free time to do. So we're in a rental now. So I don't have my memorabilia here or my book, which I've read. But I would love to see what you have. Well, I don't, I, I'm the same with you, somewhere in, in boxes here. But I'm holding it up to camera now. You can see that I have, I don't know, half a dozen, I don't know, 10 pieces of stuff. Uh, and those are genuine. And I talk about in the book how 
way back, it was episode six, I found them at the backyard of um, the back lot of uh, Elstree Studios with this kind of stinky bonfire. And I, and I thought, wait a minute, I recognize some of this stuff. They were the sheets, gray uh, cladding, and it was the cladding of the Millennium Falcon. And then I noticed other bits. And, and there were these plastic tubes and cables and everything. And you rescued them from the fire? I rescued them because they said, I said, what are you doing burning this thing? They said, well, we can't, there's nowhere to store it. The, the uh, mechanics of the inside, the, the skeletal structure, which was scaffolding, had gone back to be recycled, melted down. But they were burning the plywood and the plastic and stuff. Uh, uh, plastic anymore. And I, I actually genuinely felt... Oh, this is so wrong, <laughs> because by then I had known this spaceship for many, many years, and it was an iconic character, just as much as any of the, of the physical characters, whether they were creatures or robots mm -hmm. or, or human um, uh, heroes or whatever. Ryan, who is your favorite character? In all of the Star Wars I, Well, I can't not say C-3PO now. <laughs> yes, not. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you, thank you so much. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> not at all. I did, I, C-3PO <laughs> is definitely in my top five. Um, you know, I as a kid, I, I and I said earlier in the show, I always loved Boba Fett. I always the the mystique, the mystique about Boba Fett and not knowing about Mandalorians. I mean, obviously they've answered a lot of those questions since, but um, I, I've always I've always loved that character. Well, let me ask you something, uh, uh, Mr. Daniels. Um, our producer Jim pointed out something that I hadn't really noticed that I know you appreciated, which was that in addition to playing C-3PO, you really were sort of playing two roles because you were interacting with R2-D2, but there was nothing coming back as far as sounds or, or dialogue for R2. And I understand a lot of that you actually ended up improvising. T tell us a little bit about what that uh, dynamic was like. It was crazy because I'd been working on, on the costume for, uh, or they had been working on the costume for six months whilst I read the script or just stood there because they kind of used me as a very cheap kind of mechanic to dress up in bits of plastic <laughs> or paper or cardboard or rubber or anything just to work out how to make a costume that had never been made before mm -hmm. that would actually function to some sure. extent. And eventually the whole thing was ready, sort of, and I tried it on for about 10, 15 minutes in the studio. Then they took it away. No rehearsal, no practice, no nothing. And two weeks later, I think we were in Tunisia and there it was. And I dressed up and the full nightmare is there in the book. Mm -hmm. I can say the scene where you and R2-D2 land in the in the escape pod and you're like in the middle of the desert, like surrounded by nothing. And you're just trudging through the desert. And then you and R2-D2 get into an argument like, I want to go this way. He wants to go this way. And you're like, no, there's nothing that way. I'm going to go this way. Like that's such oh, a I great wish, scene. Oh, and the fact that you would have been so good <laughs> because I was by myself. I was working. Well, that desert scene, that was a, the first day was actually outside the sand crawler. Uh, Ryan, you remember the sand crawler? Yes, of course. And then, yes, Helen, we go to that scene in the desert where I'm behind a sand dune and the camera's at the top of the sand dune peeking over. So I'm going to come in up, up into frame. And it's, it's really cold. It's not freezing, but the wind is horrible. And I'm wearing, I, I'm wearing a sardine can with like panties on underneath. <laughs> and the rest of the crew are in parka jackets and goggles against the chill and the sand. And I am there and I'm standing for two hours whilst they try and get R2-D2 up into the shot. And eventually they put big boards down behind the sand dune out of, out of shot and they put him on, on a piano wire and lug it up 
<laughs> so we get to the top and wait a minute. Where? Oh no! What a desolate place this is. I got to rest before I fall apart. My joints are almost frozen. And then there's nothing. And eventually I grind to a halt. And I, <laughs> I said to George, "It's really. Di I didn't know it wasn't going to make any noises. Mm. It's not speaking to me. Uh, could you? Uh, could somebody make a noise that, that I know I finished my line?" Mm -hmm. And George, um, oh, sure. And uh, so we started again. And you know, where are you going? And there was this pause. It's all I can say. It was a pause. And then George went, beep. <laughs> from then on, from that moment, yeah. I realized I was totally on my own. And what astounded me was nobody had explained during the six months preparation, pre-prep, that the R2 sounds would be put on later by wonderful Ben Burt. So when I eventually saw the movie, I was astounded that I appeared to have been talking, having a conversation with somebody. Oh. That is crazy. Last thing I want to ask you about, you, you've talked with Ryan about some of the collecting that you've done, and uh, you provide a very interesting and helpful service on your website where you call people out who are selling fake autographs of yours. And what's mm. astounding is how many of them. It seems like every time you go back to the <clears> site, there's new examples of this. Um, wh why did you feel motivated to do this? And how can people spot a fake Anthony Daniels autograph? How do they know if they're getting a real one? It's scary that the internet particularly <clears throat> has allowed forgery to actually thrive. I wrote to somebody the other day who had a whole raft of posters on, on a poster, signatures, for £15,000 mm. UK. And I said, this is a forgery, take it off. He wrote back immediately, I've taken it off, uh, I'm going to go to the person who sold it to me. Um, I don't know how you, how you do it, mm. just... Be careful. And I so despise, even more than people who spoil. You have to really despise people <clears throat> who get out a Sharpie and a picture and go, scribble, scribble, scribble. Mm. And I was once um, in a court case. I was a witness of the FBI. And they put this big signature on a screen. And they said, is this your signature? To see it 10 feet across made me so angry. Mm. <clears throat> and they said, how do you know it's not your signature? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. What a weird question. Well, yeah. And I think what's so maddening is that so many of these that you show on your site actually come with certificates of authenticity. Oh, I mean, it's just so it's so evil. And uh, I appreciate that on your site you call this section uh, the dark side. It's, it's fighting the fight <laughs> yeah. against the dark side. <laughs> Ryan, yes. Ryan, if you if you were, okay, putting aside Boba Fett, if you were a character in Star Wars, who would it be? C-3PO, obviously. Excellent answer. There he goes. That's how you play our game. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> Before we, just as an sidebar, I was at school that played sport every day. I cannot catch nor throw a ball. I'm not interested. You throw me a ball, you don't want it. I'm going to leave it. You know what I mean. Um, and so to listen to you having had this nerd side, because my nerd side was I just wanted to act, but I didn't have that, that sporty thing that you eventually found. And I think it's something to be amazingly proud of and to actually say to real heavy jock types, you know, it's all right to have a sensitive side. It's all right to be nerdy, whatever, you know, and not everybody can or wants to throw a ball. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I loved your introduction. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I think you're a fantastic, wonderful, talented actor and gentleman. So any <laughs> autographs you want to send my way, I'd be more than happy. 
to and I will and I, I will send the certificate of authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are you going to get to write it? Uh, I don't know. We'll figure something out. I'll do it. Okay, we'll get I'll Yardley. It. Okay. It's a team effort. Ryan, there, there is an autograph. There is an autograph book coming your way. Oh, oh you're the best, uh, our Mr. Friends, our friends here can coordinate it, okay? Oh, we'll be happy to do so. <laughs> well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ryan. First, we wanted to know what character has the first spoken line in Star Wars. Helen, what did Ryan Khalil say? Ryan said C-3PO. And Mr. Daniels? Did you hear that? They shot on the main reactor. They'll be destroyed for sure. There'll be no escape for the princess this time. You know, most experts just say he's right, but you know how to deliver. That's incredible. Yes, and that is correct <laughs> and very exciting to hear. Uh, that is correct for the point. All right, uh, next we wanted to know, what does that character describe his job as when he emerges from an oil bath? Helen, what did Ryan say? Ryan said, protocol droid, human-cyborg relations. And Mr. Daniels? And I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. And this is my counterpart. R2-D2. That is correct for another point. My goodness. Uh, it, it's a shame that our last answer cannot be a line from Star Wars, although maybe you'll figure out a way to do it, because <laughs> our last question was, who has played this character for over 40 years? Helen, what did Ryan Khalil say? Ryan said Anthony Daniels. And Mr. Daniels? Me. It was him, Anthony Daniels. My goodness, what an absolute pleasure. Before we let you go, Ryan, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to Mr. Daniels while we have him here? I just, you know, we talked about me retiring from the league and, and uh, 13 years, I got to see a lot of evolution of players coming in and what it was like when I first got there to the end. And I think a lot about your book and I think a lot about what you had to go through, not only in voicing the, the role of C-3PO, but, but trudging that awful desert in all that old, uh, hot, I got to imagine, uh, costume what? How do you feel when you watch some of the newer movies and you see K2SO and you see Alan Tudyk behind the scenes wearing what looks like a pretty comfortable, cozy outfit with the dots all over? I'm just curious what comes to your mind. And then the second part of that question is, uh, in, in spirit of that, when you got to come back and reprise C-3PO in the new trilogy, was it any better? Was the costume any better at all? Well, first of all, Alan Tudyk, um, he, he tells me he's an actor. We met on Rogue One. Um, he, he was just kind of wandering about, like pretending to be a robot. Like he's wearing like, a weird outfit, but he can sit down. He can go yeah. to the bathroom. He can eat. And you the, know, the, this is relax. a motion capture suit that he's using in those movies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I explained to him, you know, he's a nice guy. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But I said, you know, that's not really good enough it's, it's not the real thing and he was a little chagrin he was a little put down um in truth i was so jealous i wanted to chop his legs off i just thought you know no you know suffering from your for your art this guy wasn't suffering at all he was having a great time he was cruising cruising the food trucks all the time he just was like pretending he wasn't the real thing at all and yet I have to say that he was one of my favorite things in that movie. Don't tell him. Okay? <laughs> the other answer is that when they came to me for episode seven, The Force Awakens, um, JJ, you know, said, you know, do you just want to do the voice? I said, no, 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 no. He said, quite right. But I would like a new suit. <laughs> of course. And so he sent out and he got me a new suit. And there were vast improvements. So having stuck after 47, 47 years, there are changes, improvements, and so on that made it 
uh, <laughs> an eternal pleasure to be in the Rise of Skywalker, which is where we're at at the moment. Magic. Magic. Well, it was absolutely magical to have you join us. We're so grateful. Uh, Mr. Daniels, if people want to find out more about you and your work, I know you've got this book, IMC3PO, The Inside Story. Where else can people find you? I have uh, a website, anthonydaniels.com. The book is on Audible if you want to hear me reading myself. And, of course, Spanish and English, is, it's out there. But, uh, yes, or uh, droidrelations at gmail.com. Excellent. Oh, and Instagram. I'm so modern. You are. <laughs> Appropriate for, uh, for a droid. I believe it. Excellent. Well, what an honor and pleasure that you joined us. Thank you so much for staying up with us uh, there in London. Mr. Anthony Daniels, everybody. And um, may the force be with you, especially Ryan. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> All right, Helen, wow, the force was with Ryan in that uh, topic. Tell us, what is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, Ryan Khalil has seven and a half points, and Yardley Smith has nine points. All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Yardley and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Yardley, the TV show The Love Boat premiered in the 1950s. False. Correct. Ryan, the TV show The Love Boat premiered in the 1960s. True. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. It premiered in 1976. Yardley, The Love Boat featured over 1,000 guest stars. False. Incorrect. No, it really did have over 1,000 guest stars. Ryan, the 1,000th guest star was movie star Lana Turner. <laughs> uh, false. Incorrect. No, it really was her. Yardley, <laughs> according so to specific. People... It was. Yardley, according to People Magazine, Lana Turner was paid $25,000 for her appearance. True. Correct. Ryan, actor Andy Griffith appeared as a guest on The Love Boat. True. Correct. Yardley, artist Andy Warhol appeared as a guest on The Love Boat. I think false. Incorrect. No, he really did. Wow. Ryan, Andy Griffith and Andy Warhol appeared on the same episode of The Love Boat. <laughs> false. Incorrect. No, they wow. really did. <laughs> 19, 1985 was a magical time, kids. Wow. Uh, Yardley, on that episode, Andy Warhol played Andy Warhol. True. Correct. Ryan, after his Love Boat episode aired, Andy Warhol complained to a friend that people in Hollywood were idiots. <laughs> Definitely true. Correct. And finally, Yardley, he wasn't wrong. True. Correct. <laughs> we're not going to count that last one. Let's thank again Yardley Smith and Ryan Khalil as Helen tabulates our final score. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on today's episode? I am, Jay Keith. At the end of the game, Ryan Khalil has seven and a half points and Yardley Smith has 12 points. A very nice high-scoring game, but congratulations to Yardley Smith. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Yardley, what will you do with your championship? Uh, well, I think I'll, I'll um, paint that honor on my house so that all the neighbors can see. Oh, please send yeah. us a photo of that. We want to see it. And then I'm going to maybe um, spray paint it on my car, too. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Well, drive it on by. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much, and <laughs> congratulations. That just leaves us uh, the opportunity for everyone here to promote anything that they might like. Uh, Yardley Smith, where can people find you and your work? I'm on Twitter at, at Yardley Smith, all run together. On Instagram, at Yardley underscore Smith. Um, I have a YouTube channel with my silly little cooking show called Oil and Water. The links are in my socials. 
and um, I co-host the fabulous true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks, with detectives Dan and Dave. And all of the cases are told by the detectives who investigated the case. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that you joined us, Yardley Smith. Ryan Khalil, what a pleasure to meet you. Where can people find out more about what you're up to? Uh, well, we'll have some announcements in the new year. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Twitter handles at Ryan Khalil and Instagram, Ryan Khalil 67. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You were our first professional athlete to be a guest on the show, and you represented your field admirably and uh, very well. We're, we're really happy that you joined us. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. He's All right, ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is your friend, Ms. Helen Hong. What do you have going on? Where can people find you, Helen? I am on a series called The Unicorn. Season two is on CBS and CBS All Access. Season one is on Netflix. Uh, it stars Walton Goggins and myself. It's very enjoyable, so check that out. I'm also hosting a brand new other podcast. <gasps> I'm sorry, Jay Keith. I, I meant to tell you. No, no, no. You've, so you've got to leave the nest and fly. We it's, all get it. It's so awkward. Ooh. Anyway, check out my other podcast. It's called Job Salite. It examines old-timey jobs from the past. Also, you can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. Don't follow <laughs> at Helen Hong because not funny. She's just not funny. She's not funny, and she probably doesn't even have one podcast, let alone two. Mm. It's Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Yardley Smith, Ryan Khalil, Ingrid Seward, Anthony Daniels. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live someday. Oh, boy, do I hope. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like King Richard III did. He, she, or they said, so fun. I wish I was some level of famous so I could compete. Thanks, King Richard III. You might be famous enough, you know, as a king. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country and the world. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's episode is engineered by Jordan Cowling. Special thanks to Kristen Fisher and Gailey Avery at DK Books. Amanda Dolan and Rebecca Kunak at Metro Public Relations, Jim Colucci and his upcoming book, Love Boat Forever, Bob Skier, Mark Norberg, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch Star Wars again. Again and again and again. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported